Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. Before we get to today's topic and to today's guest, I hope everyone has had or is having an amazing holiday season. Chances are, for many of you, it has been very rough. And I'm hoping that the new year you can start focusing on boundaries and then once boundaries have been established, then starting to work on self-care. Boundaries have to come first, then self-care. It's very difficult to do self-care when you're still in harm's way. As this year is starting, I encourage everyone to go to our website, btr.org, click on services and check out Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our daily online group. It has multiple sessions per day in multiple time zones. We created it like this on purpose for you so you can have access immediately. You never have to set an appointment. You never have to wait for an appointment. You never have to get childcare. You never have to leave your home, but it is actual live support from a specialist who knows what they're doing. So immediately you can get the help that you need. Again, you can find information about how to join our group at btr.org. When you're in an abuse situation, progress is so difficult because you think you might be making progress and then you might find out that all the progress that you thought you saw was actually a lie and that you've been being abused psychologically or emotionally. It is really hard to sort out reality from this false reality that the abuser wants to paint for you. So this year, I would like to encourage everyone to really focus on truth and safety. What do I need to get safe and what is the truth? The truth is you are amazing and you are enough and you don't deserve to be in a relationship with someone who lies to you or abuses you emotionally or psychologically. For those of you who have not yet read the two books, Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft and The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans, I would like for you to make that a goal this year to read those two books. You can find them on our website at btr.org backslash books. My book, which is a nonfiction book about why pornography use is abusive, will be coming out soon. So please just stay tuned for that. Join our email list, join our community so you can get updates on when that will be coming out. We have women ask all the time, is there a place where our husband can go who is exhibiting these types of abusive behaviors that uses the same model of abuse? And there is. It's called Center for Peace. They are starting another intensive February 3rd. There are some pretty intense prerequisites, no pun intended. One of them is a polygraph. There are only five spots available and those spots go really, really quickly. If you are interested, the website is cenfp.org. Contact joy at cenfp.org to start the process of getting into the program. So please, if you're interested in that, contact joy ASAP. I have Justin Zufelt, the author of the books, The Kill Zone, both the parent edition and the youth edition. And The Kill Zone is a spiritual survival guide for combating pornography and other addictions. So we're going to just jump right into this. And I'm just going to ask Justin to tell us about himself. Yes, Anne. I am a father of five children. I'm actually about to be a father of six children. We just found out we're going to have a boy in March. So my family's super excited right now. I'm also a, of course, a husband. That's, you know, six children. And I'm a soldier. I've been in the military for, oh my goodness, 16 years. 
Currently, my assignment is I am a chaplain with the 19th Special Forces here in Utah. I'm also a former police officer. I was a police officer for almost seven years in a small town of Southern Utah, where I just had tons and tons of experience of what we're about to talk about. And of course, many, many different things with pornography and so forth. So all of your experience as a husband, as a father, and then both in the military and as a former police officer led you to write a book about how to combat pornography. Talk about what led you to the point where you felt like you needed to write a book. Yeah, I guess I'll step back a little bit further. I'll be very upfront about this. It's been a long time to be upfront about it, but at eight years old, I was exposed to pornography as a very young child. And through that exposure at a friend's house, it led me into a spiral of addiction. And I fought that addiction for many, many years. I would even say, you know, about 25 years, I'm still fighting it today. And so it's been something that's just been a part of my life that I have been fighting the entire time. But something happened, a big culminating event. I won't give any names, but I was in Iraq with my unit. And during my time there, one of my battle buddies, fellow soldier, got struck by an IED. And during that event, he lost the limb and eyesight and just tons and tons of damage to his body. And when he's laying there on the ground, bleeding out, believing he's about to pass away, his friend was you know, holding him and cuddling him and just, you know, give him uh, moral support, telling you know, you're going to survive, you're going to survive. But during that moment in his life, he gave instructions to his friend saying, hey, this is where I have pornography hidden in my locker, in my computer, and these other places. Make sure you destroy it all delete the files, get rid of everything before you send all my stuff home to my wife and my family. I don't want them to know I look at that. And when that happened, it was a mental shift for me, a huge mental shift. I mean, oh my goodness, I just imagined myself here. I was in Iraq with a possibility of dying any day, and I did not want that to be me. My jaw just dropped, by the way. That that was like the number one thing on his mind. Like, not like, tell my wife I love her. No, no, it shifted my life. Now, I wish I could tell you like I was perfect after that and there was no issues, but I admitted my weaknesses to my wife and then my family. I went through some hard times. Years passed, I'd been working on it and I'm going to watch out for the signs and my kids are not going to have any issues. Well, guess what? We had issues in, in our family and it just... Again, it was a sucker punch to the gut. It was like, oh my goodness, like what is going on? I know the signs. I know what it looks like. Why did this happen? And so it sent me into a frenzy of studies and research and interviews. And I searched everywhere for the answer. And the culmination of all that research and discussion and life experience or led me to write the books, The Kill Zone. Now, I met you at St. George UCAP, and I was really impressed with you. And you gave me one of these books to bring home to read to my kids. And when I brought it into my home and I just sat it down on the table, both my sons were immediately interested in it because of the cover. It's military, and there's an explosion, and they just like stuff like that. And so they were immediately like, Mom, what is this? Will you read it to us? And that was cool because it's always nice to just immediately catch somebody's attention. So I really appreciated that. And as we read it, the kids really liked it. Now, we talk about pornography and the harms of pornography a lot in my home. So this was not something that is like new to them or something that they haven't seen before. But it was a new way of talking about it that I really appreciated. 
So in your culmination of all your research, you decide to frame the issue in a metaphor. And the metaphor you choose is the kill zone. Can you talk about why you chose this metaphor? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the compliments for the cover. So the kill zone, when I researched all the stuff about pornography and addiction and compulsive use, what I found is that it mimics battle and war, an actual physical battle. In the book, you'll read tons about it, but in the physical battle, the main thing a soldier does to their enemy is they create kill zones. And that's where you funnel your enemy soldiers into an area. You funnel them into a smaller area where they have to move slower and they can't fight back as well. And they're bunched together. That way, as you're firing on your enemy, they're so much easier to hit. A really quick analogy or a metaphor, however you want to call it, I remember as a child playing tag and every once in a while, someone would forget to set the boundaries. And so kids would run all over the place. It was really, really hard to tag other kids. In fact, it was almost impossible to tag other kids because they could go anywhere and they're all spread out all over the place. However, when we play tag, we we set the boundaries. No, don't go past the, the playground. Don't go past the sidewalk. Don't go past mom or that tree. You set the boundaries in that way. You bring all of the other kids really close and they're easier to hit. They're easier to tag. And the same thing is done in the spiritual or the mental world where we're having organizations and companies and all these other things funnel us in the kill zones. And this includes the pornography industry. They funnel us in. We're easier to hit. We're easier to get addicted or be compulsive users because we walk into these kill zones and we don't realize it. We don't even realize it's happening because it's so, it's so benign. It's so hidden. And we walk into these kill zones and we get struck and we get struck and we over and over again. But when I saw this, it just blew my mind. It's the exact same tactical strategy from the physical world and the mental and spiritual world as well. Mm-hmm. So all of the listeners to this podcast are women who are married to or once were married to porn users men who are exhibiting abusive behaviors of lying and gaslighting and emotional and mental uh, psychological abuse related to their pornography use, related to their, some of them, affairs or other compulsive sexual activity. We have seen the battle in our own homes, right? We've witnessed it with our own eyes, and it feels very much like a battle. In fact, here at BTR, it feels like I am on the front lines of a war zone every day, all day long. So the metaphor of a battle is so apt, and I really appreciate it. I think women think of it that way. And as we try to protect our homes, knowing this metaphor of the kill zone and how it's this very small, tight space in which you are going to get hurt, right? Number one, how do you stay out of the kill zone in the first place? Or number two, if you're in it, how do you get out is the main point of your books. What tips would you have for parents who would like to use your books to help educate their children about pornography? You're exactly right. This is a true battle. I mean, this is the battle. And be very, very clear, the number one, the number one kill zone that we have is technology. Now, I love technology. And I'm not telling any of you to remove technology from your life. I'm not telling you kids can't ever use it. Nothing like that. Because we need our children, our youth to be able to use it wisely. The kill zone is technology. We can flip it and we can use it to our advantage. The number one tip I have for parents is they have to have an open and an honest and a frequent conversation with their children. Now, what do I mean by that open? They have to be completely open to their youth telling them, 
everything about their life, whether it's masturbation, whether it is wet dreams, whether it's changes to the body, whether it's pornography, and it has to have no prerequisites. I know at times in my life, my kids that came up to talk to me and say, okay, I'm not going to talk to you until you do such and such thing. You know, it's usually like go clean their room or something of that nature, but we have to have a very open relationship with our, our youth where there's no prerequisites, where the youth can come and just spill everything out and get it out on the table and there's not going to be any anger. There's not going to be yelling. We want our kids to be able to come to us and be open about what's going on. I recommend having like a, a certain part of the week, one or two days, or even a certain spot in the house, like a chair, wherever they're in that chair and they're talking to you, it's just completely on the table. There's no huge reactions. It just happens. It's okay. I think one thing that might help parents is that you're talking to an abuse victim. So when a child has encountered pornography, they have been sexually abused by the pornography. So pornography is always going to be an abuse issue. And if a child has seen it, they have been abused by the pornography itself. You would never get angry with an abuse. Well, some people do. In fact, we have that happen all the time at BTR where wives of users go into maybe clergy or a therapist and they're told like, this is your fault or something like that. So we know how that feels. But when it comes to our children, if we think of them as a victim of the porn rather than that they have done something wrong, then it will help us know how to respond to them in a more effective way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And in the book, I explain it in more greater detail, but there's a chemical reaction. There's a reason they view it and they see it, and there's a reason they go back to it. And you know what? It's completely natural. It's a completely natural reaction to be like that. And there's ways we can circumvent it and we can work with our youth. They are not evil, bad people. So you're exactly right. We have to have the open conversation with that in mind. You're absolutely right. And that being said, if someone is abused as a child, it does not justify them becoming an abuser as an adult. So that being said, I don't want to say that adult men who are abusing their wives through lying or manipulation or other forms of psychological abuse through pornography use are quote unquote, the victims here because their wives and their children are the victims. But I do think that it's really important to think about children in that way. It also will help reframe this pornography fight that we're having across the world to help other people see that this isn't just something like that all 12 year old boys see. And it's sort of this graduation into sex ed or something like that. But this is genuine abuse and children deserve to have an abuse free childhood. Yeah, I agree. And we all know this, but we have to know that this is going to be part of their life. You know, for the foreseeable future, this is going to be part of life. And we have to help our children be ready for that. And having that open door of communication is important. Oh, amen. It's imperative. You can have every block and everything on the phones and technology you want. I can break through in 30 seconds. Your youth, your kids can break through it in probably, you know, 15 seconds. No matter what filters you have on your technology, if they want to, they will break through it. So you have to have a conversation. That is the fail safe. That is the number one thing that's going to keep your youth protected. They come to you and say, hey, I made a mistake. And this is how I felt. And then you can then help them create boundaries and a better way to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. So you wrote two books. One is for parents and one is for youth. Why did you write two, especially since they're so similar? I wanted parents to be empowered. I want them to be able to talk to the youth. I want to create that dialogue with their youth. So when they sit down, the parent can actually be the subject matter expert. They can say, hey, this is what's going on and kind of give more detailed information. So the kids can look and like, oh my gosh, you know what's going on. Okay, you understand this. 
and they can create that conversation. Parent reads theirs, and it has more details, more information, more questions, and the youth reads their book, and they're parallel. In fact, they're the same book, just the parent has more content. The whole point is at the end of the book, you will have started the conversation. I think it's really imperative that parents also come from a place of transparency. So I appreciate the fact that you were like, I need to be transparent. Pornography is something that I have used before. I think that's really important because if parents do not deal with their own pornography use and the behaviors around it, you know, gaslighting, lying, you know, all those things that happen when that's going down. If they don't walk toward transparency, honesty, accountability, humility, you know, all of those healthy behaviors that make relationships possible, then no amount of lecturing your child or telling them what they're going to do or even reading a really good book is going to help them because they're not going to learn healthy emotional skills from someone who is abusing their family's trust. Amen. If they ask you, hey, mom or dad, have you seen pornography? And you say no, you have just lost the battle. You just lost. It's all around us. It's in the world we are. And as soon as you say no, like as parents, we don't want to ruin that image with our kids. We want to be perfect in front of our kids. We don't want to admit our weaknesses. I know you do the same thing. Your kids adore you more because you are honest with them. And my kids are the same. I have much better relationship with my kids because they know that I'm a human and I make mistakes and they're able to come talk to me about their mistakes because I talk to them about my mistakes. Mm-hmm. My sons hate mermaids because they think that mermaids are pornography, which I think is very cute. And they're like, we hate mermaids. All they wear are those dumb shell breast covers, mother, and they need to be modest. And so my daughter, who is five, loves mermaids. So currently in our home, there is this sort of mermaid debacle going on where she would like to watch like Barbie mermaid show, you know, and they're like, no, that's pornography. It's very cute that they're all having that discussion. And I don't know what the answer is. I'm like, I don't know, you guys. I don't know what the answers are, but I'm so glad that you're considering this, right? I'm so glad that you're bringing this up and saying she shouldn't watch this because mermaids are immodest. Those are the types of fights that I love to see, I guess. Yeah, have an open dialogue. So I just let her watch her mermaid show that she wants to watch that is age appropriate when my sons are not around. So we had talked before and you mentioned that you have a free download for our listeners. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a download or I'm actually sending these books out paperback. This is something that one of my really good friends and I, we've created. It's called The Eight Landmines. Now, in life, in battle, everyone knows what landmines are, right? They're little explosives. You put them under the dirt or grass. You, can, you hide them. And later on, a person walks by or drives and it explodes. That's what pornography is. The industry, the internet, there's individuals that are out there laying landmines everywhere. And when we did our research, it blew our minds where a lot of these landmines are being hidden. They're being hidden in the most crazy places all over for our kids to step on. Just to give you a little tidbit, in the last week, I have spoken about eight youth and their parents that have told me that they've become addicted to pornography. They were exposed their first pornography at school on the computers at the school. So this is huge. I mean, this is just where we feel kids should be safe and the closed systems, yada, yada, yada. They're not. And so we identified the eight most heinous, the ones that are just I guess some of the most shocking, but places that our youth are being hit with landmines. Landmines are placed and they're hidden and they stay there. 
They stay there forever until someone steps on them. And that's what pornography is on the internet. People are going out there and placing them all over the place and they just sit there and wait until our youth step on them. And then we have a huge mess to deal with. And so we wrote this book. It's called Eight Landmines. In fact, if they go to eightlandmines.com, the number eight, landmines.com, they can request a physical copy of the book for free. And we're giving this out completely free. I pay shipping, I pay printing, I pay everything. It's just something that I really, really want kids to know and their parents to know so we can protect our kids from these issues. Awesome. Okay, so that's eight, the number eight, landmines.com. I'm going to be very open with this. I did do that. Now, right after that page, there is access to the kill zone if you want access to that. But right now, the eight landmines is the free report that I'm giving parents. So if people are interested in buying his book, it's called The Kill Zone, and you can find that at eightlandmines.com. Justin, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I appreciate you coming on today's episode. Thank you so much, Anna. I really appreciate it. As always, if you need support, Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our daily online support group, is the best resource available. It is the least expensive for professional support. It's also the most accessible. It also has the most sessions. If you need help sorting out reality from this false reality that someone purposefully painting for you in order to manipulate you. If you need to sort that out, Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group is a great place to do that. Go check out the session schedule at btr.org. And until next week, stay safe out there.